All right. Well, welcome to Ken and Candy Corner. I'm Ken. This is Andy. Um, we got a couple of things to talk about today. Uh, this is only our second episode, but we figured why not go ahead and jump in feet first in the deep end. Uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of controversial things that may get us taken off a couple of different platforms we're currently on. <laughs> <laughs> to that one guy in Morocco that listened to our shit. Hey, yeah. Uh, shout out to the dude in Morocco. And uh, where was the other one from? Somewhere in the U.S. So the Aryan Brotherhood nicest got our back. That's nice to know. Yeah. Well, you know, we're making friends, winning hearts and minds. Hearts Getting and minds. sponsors that matter. You yeah. know, they're yeah. on TV. We won't have sponsors like at, uh, Nike, but we'll have sponsors like Acme for like bombs and shit. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to be talking about. We'll get Al Jazeera of... in a year. Yeah. We, we're going to be talking about a couple of controversial things today. Things that, uh, like I said at the end of the last podcast, I'm probably going to say that. As my outro, probably from here on forward, we're here to just make you think. We're going to say some shit that's going to probably be really abrasive. Um, probably. Put you in a mental space of needing, you know, red card. What do they call that in the army now? Where you need like a, a timing timeout where you just need a... Called a, a pussy pad. It's what happens okay. when your pussy starts... Okay. Well, for anybody that's on the fence of considering themselves liberal, we appreciate you. First of all, we appreciate you for clicking on this just out of curiosity. Um, but we will say some things that'll probably make you mad. Hear us out. The best argument for your point of view, whether you agree with us or don't, is hear the opposing point of view so it can either enhance your ammunition against that position or maybe, just maybe, change your point of view and your own tactics of understanding and critical thinking. Um, At or go. Put your balls in my mouth. I'm just, I'm just being real. Don't, don't, don't. Don't be stingy. And if you go below the sixth story, you're going to be brought, to, brought to the world by the letter S, and you're going to be contracted in a nursing home, and you won't be able to say shit when you don't get fed for three days. So think about that. So what you're saying is just suck it dry. Anyway, take that first step. Suck and suck and suck. Just fucking do it. I know you're going to be good in bed. So here we are. First topic of the day. You ready, my brother? I'm ready. I've been okay. ready. So a lot of people, my family included, have uh, contemplated and some committed to the idea of this vaccine. Now, a lot of people that I know that have committed to this idea of vaccine, from my personal experience, all right, your mileage may vary, but the most of people, the, mo the majority of people that I've spoken with about it have done it out of essential peer pressure. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose connection with family members who demand it because they fear for their safety. Um, but given, and it could be a cop-out answer, who knows? Maybe they really want it, but they don't want to say it. I don't know. But the point is, is the majority of the voices that I hear talking about this vaccine is if it were essentially my choice and my choice alone that affected my life and my life alone, they wouldn't take it. But they're essentially doing it in a herd mentality and groupthink because the majority of people have been herded into this decision, which then vacuums up the residual people around those initial people and creates an even larger volume number that are taking this shot. Um, now, I don't want to take up this whole time. I know, and I know you got a whole lot to say about it. Um, my man has, don't want to get too much into his background, don't know what he wants to divulge on here, but uh, let's just say he knows enough to have a weighted position within the realm of physicians and doctors and biologists and people of that nature. This ain't, this is his wheelhouse. This is literally this man's wheelhouse. So I'm going to let him speak on it first. And then I'll just kind of give him my point of view because I'm just a good old boy. You know what I mean? I'm just a good old boy who wants too many guns and too much freedom. There we go. I had to wait for the spit. <clears throat> that's, that's for the listener. That's to make this easier on you. <clears throat> but I have no problem whatsoever talking about myself. Strap in. Let's just let's just give you the 30,000-foot view of me and what I've been doing for a decade. And guess what? I've been making those sh the shit that they've been shooting in your arm. At one point or another, I have developed it. I was on a team that did it. And, uh, yeah, so tell the kid that you're a kid that can't make eye contact with you that I said hi. Um, yeah, that was fun. <clears throat> so, you know. This is my will. This is what I've studied for 12 years in university. This I've done in the field for 10 years. This is what I do. Now, that's all well and good, and I could just say it's a shit idea for you to go get one of these stupid fucking vaccines. And there's plenty of talking heads right now saying that. Um, but I think what's better for me to do, and I've, it's starting to... It, it, 
the dam is starting to crack with enough people in my field saying, oh, I don't know, maybe they always, they always hedge their bets. Well, maybe, I don't know, all I'm saying, blah, 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 blah. They always take this milk toast fucking road of never really saying what they're meaning. They just kind of go, well, the data said, and I get that, but people don't, as soon as you say, well, it might, the data says, I don't know. They're just like, ah, and they'll go off and screech and <laughs> they'll just go off and do whatever. And they don't really listen to you since you're not making an emphatic statement. So I'm here oh, man. to make the statement, okay? Since uh, I don't work in there anymore. So I don't got fucking anything to lose anymore. I don't got to worry about grants. I don't got to worry about funding. I don't got to worry about none of that shit. He's ba you're basically the inside guy that's off the clock and being able to say, look here. You're the, you're the Santa Claus at the mall sitting at the bar drinking a, drinking a shot sitting next to a guy who brought in his son for the first time at the bar. And you're like, let me tell you about Santa boy. <laughs> Can you get Bobby and daddy back together? No, your mother's a tremendous whore. <clears throat> Santa knows the firsthand experience. So daddy likes Donnie now, boy. He, he ain't coming back. <laughs> he ain't, she ain't coming back. She got to ride an old space mountain and uh, <laughs> she's getting back in line. <clears throat> so I'll start with a conversation that I was, you know, a part of uh, back when I was in the thick of it, when if you can just rewind your gold first brain back to 2016 during the Summer Olympics, and if you all remember the pinhead disease that was Zika that was going around and everyone was, <laughs> and they were all fucking flipping out and shit. I was a part of a, at that time, I was attached to a research that was assigned to make a Zika vaccine. The short story is we were trying to push a dengue vaccine and we couldn't get funding. We couldn't get approved. And it was good enough to work against Zika. So we used that as the impetus to get more grant funding. That's not important. Yeah. What's important is in this conversation, I distinctly remember hearing it. I was right there with the two head guys and they said, this, we need to keep using this fear that's going around in the public so we can get more money. And so that's they knew they it wasn't saying. nothing to be worried about. They knew it was a non-fucking issue. But they knew if they could get drum up enough fear in the voting base that voters would contact their congressman, who would then contact us and then give us more money so we could run our pet project. Now, so these guys were saying this out, out yeah, loud. Everyone said it. Everybody. But it, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, that's commonplace in biomedical research. The only... the only thing the only area where people really where pharmaceutical companies and the public really have a vested interest in research wise would be essentially not like uh what designer drugs your and things like that those make a shit ton of money vaccines make no money they are a pharmaceutical drain on their bottom line they do it basically because it makes them look good and because it's necessary but they do not like funding vaccine. They don't like it because more times than not, they fail. And if you can get ecstasy approved and then prescribed to people, that makes you a lot more money. It's a lot easier to get that through because you can do all the clinical tests you need. And there's really not, uh, on, not to get too far in the weeds, but there's not a whole lot, comparatively speaking, in background research for that route versus vaccine. Vaccines are very labor intensive, very long duration things. I worked on a project once that was uh, an HIV vaccine, and we had been working on this specific one for 10 years, and it got nuked in the phase three trial. Got nuked. It just wasn't working, and we had to start back from scratch. Fine. And to give you a little bit of uh, perspective on how much money that cost to get to that point, we're talking on the magnitude of about $25 billion. Why did it get nuked? It just wasn't effective. It's, it, it, it was like 45% effective, and that's not enough. For a vaccine to be seen as like moderately effective, it has to be 95%. 98 to 99 is what you want. Anything below that is kind of seen. Eh, 95 is all right, and that can get you, that'll get through. But anything below that, it's not really. Where is the corona vaccine at now? Fuck, like 80 Hmm. It's a bullshitting, but that oh, we're getting to that. Bernie's gonna get around to that. <laughs> that fucking travesty of a project. But so all I'm saying is that the P 
people that are in their white coats who are you're told to trust have a vested interest keeping you and as soon so like the phase one when the when the virus started landing in the u.s any rational scientist was afraid of it for one reason we all knew where it came from we all knew what they were doing there (laughs) and we all knew what it could have been and we knew that it was an intermediary bioweapon we knew that there that Wuhan lab is a very thinly veiled weapons development area. And so we were afraid that they had leaked or launched, released, whatever you want to say, a finished bioweapon. And that's no bueno for anybody. Because by definition, bioweapon, the good ones anyway, um, don't have a antidote. They don't have a cure because they're not meant to. And fluoride ain't going to do shit for it. <laughs> and ain't going to do shit. So everyone was flipping the fuck out because they knew what this could be. Now, I was under the impression it was an intermediary weapon, and that's what it looks like it was, uh, meaning that it, they'd taken a natural thing and they had changed it into a, another thing, but that other thing really wasn't, as, wasn't their end goal. They wanted, in my, it, from what I can gather, they were trying to weaponize, the Chinese had been really trying to weaponize HIV for a long time, so this was a, one attempt that they were going to use to try to weaponize it in some way. Um, but it was pretty obvious from the beginning that this wasn't a finished weapon. Otherwise, you'd have a death rate way higher. It'd be uh, in the orders of, mag- of like 90% mortality. So, it, and it wasn't. From the beginning, it wasn't. So I knew it was an intermediary. And so, okay. But still, intermediaries ain't great to deal with because you don't know exactly, well, how far along were they on this development path, right? Now, here's, here's my question. So I'm going to give you my understanding of what it was initially. I agree with you from what little I know and being blessed to be around people that know more than me <clears throat> about shit like this, people like such as yourself. My understanding was that it was essentially what you were saying. I remember you and I having first discussions about it and going, hmm, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> the ship is sinking. It was yeah. a good run. We're all yeah. dead. <laughs> And then um, my brother was literally buying anything and everything has that he could get his hands on. And, you know, me having EMS and fire experience for 10 years, I'm not, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a clinician of any caliber or spectrum that warrants any type of notoriety, but I will say being a ditch doctor, you still have to understand field of sterility for certain procedures. And the idea of having a mask that whether it be surgical, whether it be a 95, whether it be something made out of grandma's doily on the back of her couch, if you have it sterilized for a use and you utilize that use of that mask, if there is the chance of reusability by using that same mask to do multiple different tasks in different scenarios, I'll give you an example. Wearing a mask in your car, then wearing that same mask that you had on in your car into a grocery store and wearing that same mask that you had on in the grocery store in your car previously back into your car. You are now taking everything that was in your car into the grocery store and everything in the grocery store that was brought in by everybody else from their car and their home and their job and wherever else that they wore their mask prior now is in the grocery store. Now you're bringing all that back into your car. If you then rewear that mask and just wear that mask to one day and that one day be your one time use, everything you brought Everything you came in contact with is now on that mask and now coming with you. You're basically taking a bacteria sponge strapped to your face around with you all day. Now, keep in mind in context, if you were to compare it, let's say you are in an emergency room and you are in the trauma bay. You have 10 trauma bay rooms. Each one has a level one trauma, gunshot wound, car accident, fall, whatever the case may be. You have blood pathogen exposure. You have potential airborne pathogen exposure. You don't know if they have TB, you don't know what they might have. So you don PPE, personal protective equipment for your first room, for your first patient. You keep that same protective equipment on going into room two, room three, room four. Now you've just contaminated room two with one. You've contaminated room three with two and one, four with three, two, one, five with four, three, two, one. And it just goes on and on and on. Now people that then you add the mix where most people are lazy and fuck all retarded when it comes to anything about medical safety and field of sterility. They have zero discipline, zero knowledge. They're just ignorant to the idea of it. It's not 
commonly practiced, they take the mask off and throw it in their pocket, they throw it in their backpack, they throw it in their purse, they throw it in their car, dashboard, wherever, and they leave it there. And then they wear it again tomorrow on Tuesday and then on Wednesday and on Thursday and then on Friday, you are compounding the amount of germ exposure to not only yourself, to your surroundings, to your family, to everything around you. You have literally become a magnet for potential infection and you're promoting this idea of health and safety. Now, again, that's talking about primarily if you're using an appropriate mask, an N95, um, even a surgical mask, something of that caliber. Now you got people walking around with masks made by Nike, made by Reebok, made by whatever, homemade. There's zero level of protection. Most of these masks that are sold even say on the fucking package, this is not a protective equipment. This will not protect you from any viral passing or infection. Yet these are predominantly the types of masks that are worn by most people. Now, I know there's a couple of people out there that wear masks and are avid diehard fans of it and say, oh, that's not me. I wore a different mask every day. Okay, good for you. Kudos to you. But here's the thing. You wash your hands in and out every room you go into. Do you change clothes every time you come home from a gas station or a grocery store or your job or Walmart? No, you don't. Do you wear some type of surgical gown when you go into these places? No, you don't. So again, if you're concerned about health, don't just stop at a piece of cloth of your face, go all out and wear a full on burqa and schmuck and have about 50 of them bitches ready for the one day and be prepared to have every single one of them after you're getting done used with them, red bagged, putting in a biohazardous red bag, and then taken to a facility that can actually sterilize the materials which requires a heat grade higher than your standard home water heater can get to. So even if you were practicing everything perfectly, it's still not enough to get to the level of protection that is said to be promoted by doing these steps. The concern is, is when you see people who think they're doing something good, but are doing something, in my opinion, dangerous, because now you're carrying bacteria that you normally may not know would have carried. When you sneeze, it's all on the mask. It didn't go airborne. Now you're lowering your system. You're staying in the house for 90 days initially. You're not allowing your body to be exposed and collect antibodies to then be able to fight off an infection. Then you're strapping this disease sponge to your face and putting everything right in your respiratory tract. Now you're collectively forcing your body to become sick to a higher degree where it wouldn't just be dealing with one germ or one form of virus. It could be facing multiple strands. And I'm specifically talking about people in the medical field because I look at them and hold them to a higher standard because you should already know this shit. They fucking know better. I know they know. I was a fucking instructor. If you walk into one patient's room with any form of people, even gloves, even gloves, if you walk into one patient's room with gloves on, you don't walk into another patient's room with those same fucking gloves on. In and out. You wash your hands or, or sanitize your hands going in. You sanitize going out. You don't walk out with the gloves on. You take them off in the room. Patients' germs stay with the patient, period. Mm-hmm. And, and what we've been doing is cross-contaminating each other to the point where, and on top of an, a, a lowered immune system for a lot of people who did stay at home, who were good little boys and girls, and listened to the WHO and Dr. Fraudshi and everybody else that was fear-mongering. Now you have people who are potentially facing a sickness that, they normally would not have. Now, that's my number one problem with the social dynamic of what we call this pandemic. The medical aspect that I have a concern is complacency. Again, from the medical people, and I'm looking at everybody. I don't care if you're a CNA. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a surgeon. I don't care what you are. If you've been trained and you're paid, so you are a professional and working in the medical field, and you should know how to handle a patient and self-body isolation tactics or techniques, and you are wearing a fucking mask because it matches my scrubs or it goes with my scrunchie and you have zero thought process in, wait a minute, if I were to wear this mask a year ago, would I get yelled at for wearing the same mask two days in a row? If I wore this mask in Walmart and then I wore this mask at work and someone from work saw me and I was handling patients, would I 
you get yelled at. One of the practices, because I did work at a hospital, level one trauma hospital, and one of my personal practices was, I don't care if I didn't think I got exposed to anything, if I was just, you know, working the front desk that day doing basic triage, or if I was working in the level one trauma bay area, it didn't matter. I would immediately change out of my scrubs, immediately go shower and change before I would hug my wife and kids. Matter of fact, I would leave my shoes outside by the front door in a box so no bugs or critters could get in them. But I didn't want to track in the house anything that I may have inadvertently stepped in, blood, vomit, piss, whatever. And you have medical professionals who are advo who advocated for this idiotic nonsense. Now, we can also talk about the science behind it. We can talk about, and I kind of tipped on it a little bit as far as the general understanding, the body isolation for dummies version. But even Dr. Fauci in what was it, the late 70s, early 80s was discussing about why the, uh, oh man, the, the form of the flu was so prevalent. I can't remember if it was bird flu, swine flu, um, but it was because people were, were, were wearing masks and he had that stance on masks. And if you remember within the first three months of the United States classifying this as a pandemic, he had the stance and literally said, there's no point in wearing a mask. It'll do something for your psyche and thinking that you're doing something positive, but in reality, you're actually hurting because, and he endorsed it and said the truth that you're carrying more germs with you. Then he does a 180 and says, yeah, you should wear a mask. And then he goes even further into it, like a fucking 720 and says, maybe you should wear two masks. And then one university, I think it was Berkeley university or uh, one out of one of the Carolinas, one of the universities did a study and they said, well, if you wear three masks, it triple protects you. And then it became this almost social <laughs> challenge of mean. how many masks can you wear? And it's like, you know what, just fucking wear a pillow. And now, now talk about the idea of what that does for your respiratory system as far as oxygenation and deoxygen. You breathe in oxygen, you blow off carbon, uh, carbon dioxide. When you have something impairing your ability to breathe in, even if it only impairs the mechanical aspect of breathing in, by a fraction of the percentage, the psychological damage or change that it does to a person when they have something hitting into their face when they're breathing, it causes anxiety. It causes your heart rate to elevate, causes your breathing rate to elevate. It causes your blood pressure to elevate. It causes your oxygen demand on your body to elevate. So your body then sees that differentiation in oxygenation levels even further. So your body then becomes more taxed. You see people become more stressed. With stress comes lower immunity. With lower immunity in combination with breathing uh, dysfunction or inability with heavy exposure to additional germs, what do you think that's going to burn? It doesn't take a rocket scientist. And the problem that I have, you want to talk, the whole media, the whole narrative worldwide, not just in the United States, world fucking wide, was masks good, anyone opposing bad. And the very basis of science is I have a thesis. I'm going to prove my statement through analysis, through example. I will then collect the data to make an, understa an understanding um, defining assumption. Now, those assumptions are not concrete. They can constantly change. They can be added to or subtracted from. The whole idea of science is that you can reformulate, replicate, and demonstrate what it is that you're trying to prove. And if at any point, one of those things cannot happen, you can't replicate it, you can't demonstrate it, then it's more than likely to be proven or an anomaly. So when you have people that are coming out and saying, well, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, let's, let's talk about this. What is this going to do for the elderly who already have breathing problems and health issues such as COPD, emphysema, asthma, things like that, chronic bronchitis, whatever the case may be. No, 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 no. They need a mask. Okay. What about children? Number one, let's look at the infection rate in children. Well, here's the, here's let's the, look at the carrier rate in children. Here's my problem let's look with at the, the mask. Here's my problem with the mask is that all of us, and when I mean all of us, I mean all of us that worked in infectious for any length of time knew that it wasn't going to do shit. No. When we had the only time I ever, when I was working in a hospital, was instructed to wear a mask was if I was handling a TB patient, and that's going to be real important. That's called foreshadowing people, and that's what we're and that's what we're gonna that's that's key to our story. Um, if it was the flu season, 
the mask wasn't going to do shit unless they were in a pressurized room. That was all because right. the pressurized room was going to suck most of the viral particles out and it was going to get filtered. And then your mask was just kind of it. So the way a mask works, um, it works in two ways. The, the, it, when we're talking about um, masks in, a, in an infectious framework. Uh, any framework, but this is how they work. You have the filtration, the filtration size. So anything bigger than that size can't come through. It's just too big. It's not going to come through unless the mask gets com- physically compromised. Okay. And if we're in the case of N95s, um, which have to be fitted, by the way, which have to be fitted. And if you've anyone has ever worn a fitted N95, they're not easy to breathe out of. You can't breathe for shit in those because it's sealed around your face and it's 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 hard to breathe through. Now, I will say this as far as having a beard and stuff. I just said you can't have a beard. You can. I did. When I worked at the hospital, you were allowed to have facial hair. Obviously, you couldn't at the fire department. Primary reason is because when you put on your SCBA apparatus, you have to have a solid seal mm. of mask on your face. So hair will break that seal even yep. on a minute level. Well, I mean, that's what we had to do when we were getting fitted for gas masks. That's why <laughs> that's the practical reason why the military doesn't allow right. beards. Now, is for gas masks. Like I said, I did have a beard in the hospital and I did get fitted for an N95 mask and I did pass with a size large. And I'll tell you how I did it. I had to wear petroleum jelly across mm-hmm. my face because the only way that it would seal was with that. Now I did that because the likelihood of me having to wear an N95 was very low and I loved having a beard. So I was like, no, nah, fuck it. I'll put some petroleum jelly on on its water base it's no big deal i'll put it on wash my face off i get my pass my gold my gold sticker of getting my cert done walk on and do my job but i always had to carry some petroleum jelly mm-hmm. my scrub well, i was ne- i was never able to get my n95 properly fitted because i lost my sense of smell in a chemistry accident years ago <laughs> so when they try to get you can you smell this i would just be like yeah and they're like can you smell it now then they just do they they fuck with my shit they say can you smell it now no. And they're like, good job, it's fitted. <laughs> I'm like, is it? Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I can't fucking tell. I lost that shit years ago. It's like going into the eye doctor at your uh, part of your MEPS qualification. Uh, MEPS. Um, yeah. Well, it's like me going into when getting my uh, and they're saying, What's hearing that on You can't read for shit, but you memorized them all. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when I went to get my ears done after being in the military for a minute and I had tinnitus from a explosion like can you hear anything yeah <laughs> you're just kind of click click uh one of these has got to be it <laughs> raise your hand on what size what side it then eventually you just get that you just get they just go yeah you're good enough you can hear what you can hear okay <laughs> that's right so uh but we all knew the masks weren't gonna work no we all knew because okay and the way the n95 is supposed to trap viruses is through static essentially the fabric is charged and then if you breathe in the static will cling on to the fibers and it won't come through that's the hope which is why in hospital SOPs you're not allowed to wear even in a hospital with its pressurized rooms you're not allowed to wear a the mask between patients and b longer than 20 minutes because humidity from your breath will saturate that mask and then the static's dead and then the virus will just come right through. Um, and and, and now yeah. take that shit outside, see how long it fucking lasts. Yeah. Wear that shit for long and t- see how long. And another thing that kills static is ambient temperature. So if you're in a cooler, a cooler climate, static dies. A, a good way to kill the static if you have it on something is to get it cold. And if it gets cold, the static charge dissipates. So if you're in the cold, it's, it was never on to begin with. It was never going to be charged to begin with. So there there was... You're you're good for something. Yeah. So, but the... And and for the N95, the N95 mask has a filter size, a pore size of 300 micrometers. You don't even know what a micrometer is, but it's 300 micrometers, meaning that the smallest hole in that mask is 300 micrometers. There could be a lot... Well, that's... And that's the largest. You know, it could could get some smaller and it could be bigger, but that's what the average is going to be. 300. The size of a coronavirus is 150 micrometers. So it's already twice as small as the smallest hole. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? You're throwing a hot dog into a town. It's not going to fucking do anything. The static won't work. It's just not going to. It's too fucking tiny. It not, mean, shouldn't surprise us it came from China. It shouldn't surprise us that it's not girthy. But that's beside the fucking point. It's like when you dated the, the town whore. You knew it was going in. There ain't no tread left on them tires. 
<laughs> you got to tie a fucking two by four to your ass so you don't fall in. And so like, we all knew it wasn't going to work. The reason why, and you got to always keep in the back of your mind that these, the people who have money to gain from this need you to be afraid. So they have the, they have the mentality to just do whatever they need to, to get you afraid. And if you're covered up and all that, it makes you anxious, makes you afraid innately. Gotcha. Another thing, practically speaking, why, and now we're going to switch to Asia for a second. Why you'll see Asians wearing face masks a lot during flu season is basically to signal to everybody that I'm sick. Stay away from me. And they do. <laughs> They'll stay away from you. But, and that was the reason why people like me weren't opposed to the masks to begin with, was because we all knew that if it was as bad as it was and we didn't want infection rates to soar, the, clo the best thing we were going to do is to stay away from each other because that's the only real way you were going to stop the transmission was to keep people away from you and if you got a thing on your face people are psychologically not going to come near you no that disappears when everybody's wearing them all the time then your oh. brain realizes oh this is just the new thing that my tribe is doing and it's normal so that the whole benefit of the ostracization disappears now why is it important that asia wears masks because when these mandates started coming down from on high i was keyed in that one of the rationales for it was the south koreans are doing it the Japanese are doing it and the Chinese are doing it and they got and they've been dealing with these types of blah, blah, blah. So they obviously must know something we don't know. No, that's not the reason. The reason why that's still really prevalent there is because tuberculosis really prevalent. They got a lot of bacterial airborne bacterial disease that they're still trying to cope with. And those bacteria are way bigger than a virus. So the masks fucking work. surgical masks work. N95s work. Cloth masks can work to an extent. Uh, although the, 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 it, it completely depends on how well they're built. So it's, it's practically useless, but point remains that if you're trying to filter bacteria, it works. It, it works a hell of a lot better than if you're trying to shield yourself from a virus and the fucking virus and it doesn't even fucking work for the flu. So yeah, what are we doing? Uh, isn't it amazing how apparently we came up with the cure for flu because there were like pretty much fuck all. Yeah. It fucking just fell off. That's that's just fucking that's that was such a shitty cover up, such shitty <laughs> number manipulation that even brain dead Americans could figure that out. Like, wait a minute. Hold on. Speaking of you brain know. dead number manipulation. Yeah, um, they, it, it was it was so bad. The kayfabe dropped and everyone was like, I don't think I think you're misdiagnosing the record. The records of people that that pass away that the WHOs and the CDC are supposed to keep as far as who died when by what cause that is most well-known to be the culprit of death. From what I've heard, and I've seen people who would pull up on videos or who have pulled up in past names, actual names with case numbers to show proof of an example of a person, for example, you know, mm -hmm. so we like finding a needle in a haystack in most scenarios, but there's video examples of people trying to pull up, I don't know, John Doe, for example, age 18, who died from cardiac arrest after getting the second dose of whatever vaccine, then they go back here lately within the past 30 days, they'll go back, type in that exact case number, nothing, type in the name, type well, in there was right in the beginning of the whole fucking panic wave. I remember clearly doctors getting instructions that if you have somebody presenting with pneumonia, it's to be assumed it's, it's, it's COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's in the middle of flu season. So the doctor's like, well, what if it's the, <laughs> like, what if it's just the, now just to, just to, to point out the government did get wise to the, um, misdiagnosis of the flu versus COVID. They got wise to it. So if you look at the data now, uh, the influenza rates aren't dramatically lower than they are any other given year, but, but where they fucked up was that the cause of death for other things is dramatically lower than it was in previous years. So the total number of people dead in the year is statistically the same as it was in years prior. And if, you're, if you have a pandemic and all those cases are accurately diagnosed, you should have a spike and the spike doesn't exist. So they left the flu thing as it was because they knew that was going to be target number one and people were going to focus in on that. But then they took numbers from heart disease, they took numbers from car accidents, they took numbers from suicides, they took numbers from everything else, oh, uh, drug overdoses, all sorts of shit, and class reclassified those as COVID death. And, that, and that's what they did. Now, here's my question. Yeah. Here's my, 
I don't mean to cut you off, but I get pissed when I actually start because I caught, because my wife caught it, I was caught it, and my in-laws are 60. It hit them pretty damn hard. I, having my previous medical issues, I was honest to God. I was like, I was scared, not that I was going to die from COVID, but I was going to die from being forced onto a ventilator and then the hospital. Yeah. Which was going to kill you. Yeah. So I, I had a SpO2 monitor check the thing that checks mm-hmm. your oxygen rate in your blood and your heart rate guys. Um, just slips on your finger. It gives you two little numbers. Anybody can use it. I had that at home, popped it on my finger. And for two days consistently, my O2 sats were between 83 and 86. Which for the uninitiated is no bueno. No bueno. Uh, any lower, my lips would probably blue. My finger, I'm surprised my finger went blue. Um, so I, I, was, I was having to sit up at night. I couldn't lay down. Um, I already have breathing problems in my sleep. I'm already supposed to be on a CPAP machine. And even with the CPAP machine, I couldn't breathe. So I was having to sleep sitting up in my bed. And after the second night, I was like, man, fuck this. So I decided I'm not going to go to a major hospital. I'm going to go to like a dock in the box and just kind of field it out. And if they recommend me to go to a major hospital, then I'll, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get there kind of thing. And um, I went in and the doc comes in. He's like, sure enough, you have COVID. And I was like, okay. Um, so what are we, what are we going to do? Or can I, can I rec- can I request a treatment method? I mean, I know, I know my medical rights. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. You know, I told them what I did in my past. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm honestly just scared. And I'm looking at this guy, my physician at the time as a, a source of help. Like he should be right. And I said, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an asshole here. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely kind of nervous. I don't want to be on a ventilator. I mean, when I went to the hospital just to go to a dock in the box, basically to get checked out, I packed my fucking Bible. I packed three days worth of clothes. I packed um, a picture of my kids. I didn't know. I don't know what was going to happen. I mean, I literally, I literally packed a death bag and I was sitting there in the room and I said, can I recommend, um, can I volunteer, recommend whatever? Can I try hydroxychloroquine? And he goes, no, there's not enough evidence to prove that that would do any good. That's, that's not necessary. And I'm thinking, okay, great. He's going to push me on a fucking vent. How about number one, wasn't put on the monitor that's on me. That's in every ER room was beeping because they beep. If your O2 sat goes lower mm-hmm. 93, 92 and, or if your heart rate is above 125, roughly 123, 125. And my heart rate was resting at 119, 118 consistently. O2 was between 83 and 85 consistently. And my treatment consisted of two liters of uh, normal saline, which is fluids, because I was dehydrated. I was dehydrated as fuck. Um, I was pissing dust. Uh, I got two liters of fluid, Zofran, which is an anti-nauseous medication to try and help me be able to hold something down in my system. And a Z-Pack, which is basically azithromycin, which is a low level generalized antibiotic like your first grade try this this should knock out generally most everything kind of drug and wipe his hands bye from dios bye see ya and i'm sitting here as he's discharging or as he didn't discharge me doctors don't discharge you they tell you they tell their medics and nurses to do that but as i was getting discharged i was like wait a minute and i'm looking at the monitor as they're taking my last set of vitals and i said why am i not on oxygen and the medic that was working there looked at me as he was I'm plugging me on everything. And he goes, honestly, I don't know, man. He doesn't want you on it. And I said, and I'm not getting anything else. And he said, no, that, that's it. Here's your discharge paperwork. He gave you a prescription for Z-Pack and uh, more Zofran. I said, so normal saline, Zofran, and a generalized antibiotic is going to quote unquote cure the very thing that has caused our country to shut down and cripple our economy and cause people to not be able to be with their loved ones in their last dying minutes. This is, this is fucking ridiculous. And I walked out there hot. I was pissed. Well, the next day, I still didn't feel better, obviously. So I decided to take my chances. I went to a bigger hospital, an actual hospital. And I walked in there and they have this whole new triage method where they meet you at the door. You stand six feet away as long as you're walking wounded, meaning that you're not carried in on a gurney. You're not bleeding out. You're not stroking at the moment or have an active MI or a heart attack. They basically just kind of hold their iPad and talk to you like they're taking your fucking order at Chick-fil-A. And... They were like asking me why I was there. And I told them I was flat out honest. Yesterday I got diagnosed. I've been positive for COVID-19. 
I can't breathe very good. And my O2 set's been this. They didn't give me any oxygen. They gave me this and this and an order for a Z-Pack. And I even brought all my paperwork, my discharge orders and my prescription because I hadn't yet gotten it filled. Because all it was, like I said, the only thing I didn't have was the Z-Pack. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they tell me, okay, sit right here. I sat there for about 10 minutes. They hooked me up to a mobile uh, vital machine. They see my O2 sat. And because I was already COVID positive, confirmed, they didn't put me in a regular ER room. They shoved my ass in a fucking conference room. And I'm sitting in a conference chair, like an executive chair at a table. And all the staff that was at that hospital were uh, traveling nurses, traveling doctors, traveling medics. Nobody was local. Everybody was from out of town. And I knew that right off the jump. Everybody looked different than what's local here to me. But beyond that, my uh, nurse practitioner that was over my care confirmed that. And she said, you know, I told her my concerns. I was completely open with her. I said, look, I'm more concerned about what kind of treatment I'm going to get versus this actual virus. Um, I know this virus is kind of fucking me up right now. Obviously, I haven't been at a point where I had breathing problems from anything else. I've had pneumonia. I've had the flu. I've had um, bronchial, uh, bronchial pneumonia before. Um, I've never been at this point where my O2 set would be this low consistently positional uh, orthostatic hypertension, which is where you stand up or sit down, your blood pressure either elevates or drops dramatically. And um, I said, look, I'm, I'm honestly scared. And I, and I showed her my bag. She goes, is that your stuff? And I said, yeah, because you know most people that show up in the yard, I'm just being honest with you guys, we're in the yard. If you come to an yard with a backpack, it's probably because you're either homeless, you're in a rehab program, you're you know, in between things in your life, no judgment, that's fine. But I didn't have that appearance. I didn't give off that vibe. And she, she, I could tell she was curious as to why I brought a bag. And so I pulled it out and I showed her. I said, look, I have three pairs of clothes. I have my Bible and I have my picture of my kids. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to go on a, on a fucking vent. That ain't happening. But something needs to happen. And she, she was, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to take care of you. Here we go again. No fucking oxygen. Two more fucking liters of fluid. Another round of Zofran. And they told me that they would have given me a script for ZPAC, but since I already had one to just go. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I got so pissed. Now, the one thing they did do that the other place didn't was they did a chest X-ray. They wanted to see what was in my lungs. Apparently everything was fine that I could go home. And I got so mad. I said, I was yelling, like, not like hops. I should have a wife beater on yelling. Not I'm in the middle of Portland, I'm trying to break into a building yelling. I'm yelling like a pissed off drill sergeant in the middle of boot camp or basic AIT, basic, and in the middle of fucktards. That's how I was yelling. And I was like, if I had the balls as a medic for over a decade experience, if I had a, as a medic had the balls to bring a patient into an ER with an oxygen level of mine and not have them strapped to an O2 tank, with some type of receiving in, be it an, a nasal cannula, a non-rebreather, or a simple face mask, or even a fucking BVM. If I didn't have any one of those options at hand on a patient, I would be in the hot seat with my medical director going, what the fuck is wrong with you? And you're going to tell me this is the second hospital, second physician, second time that the only thing I'm getting for positive COVID is fluids and Zofran no oxygen, no nothing else. I said, I, I walked in here scared that y'all were going to strap my ass to a ventilator and kill me for your fucking numbers. So you could get an extra 50 grand in this hospital pocket and you guys could stay working, working in this hospital, making your goddamn TikToks and getting paid $10,000 a month just to do fuck all. When in reality, you're not even doing that. You're basically just treating and treating. You ain't doing mm -hmm. And needless to say, I have a $4,000 medical to deal with now. But the, the concern that I have is we were so scared. We were so scared of something that, and I'm still here, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm alive. Thank you, Lord. But, and I have, and let me, let me be clear when I say past medical history, I have zero, zero immune system. I'm taking immunosuppressants for a, a condition I have. I have zero immune system. Okay. The only things I'm doing to try and keep myself healthy and off a fucking deathbed. I'm taking zinc. I'm taking pure iodine. I'm taking um, vitamin C, B, D, and E, and 
I pray every day. And then he takes some alpha male from Alex Jones, just a little bit uh -uh, right there. Right. Uh -uh. And it makes you so full of gas. That's right. Well, you know, if it makes you feel any better, I was, um, I was just, uh, I was just uh, perpetually hot all last year, just because all the people that I trained with and trained and all that decided that it would be better for them to go along with the herd and look good and get some virtue points than to do what we all have been doing, which is to call people out and say, this is some bullshit and you know, it's bullshit. Yeah. I know granted that the science people and the lab people get, have zero fucking pull in a hospital, zero yeah. fucking, they do all the, they do, they're the other half of patient treatment. They get nothing since they're just seen as, you know, just, just dumb dums with dodo brains. Um, but they just decided to go along with it. And I spent many, many months just calling them stupid to their face. <laughs> You're being dumb. How are you being so fucking dumb? And um, th there you go. <clears throat> now get the rattlers. Get your trucker speed. There we go. Woo! My truck, my truck. We're talking. <laughs> but you know, you know, having spent as much time in university as I have, um, I have the ability and the knowledge to synthesize my own shit when I need to. So I was never concerned. Well, when I knew when when hydroxychloroquine came out as a potential treatment. I was interested as to the mechanism, how it worked. And I figured out the mechanism and I, well, uh, you know, as far as I read and I went, oh, okay, that's good. And if I needed to, I was ready to synthesize a crude version of it at my house if I needed. And so like, I was like, well, I don't know if we're going to get it. I don't know how bad it's going to be. And I, well, and me and my wife had thought about it. Some people over here are making crystal meth in their house. This man over here is making Fucking hydroxychloroquine. You gotta, you gotta get on my level. You gotta get fucking where the real money's at, man. Learn how to fucking make ecstasy. Doing like go-go gadget, fucking pharmaceuticals over here. <laughs> me, I, uh, me and my wife are pretty sure that we had gotten it when we were over in Korea in December, in October timeframe. Just because we don't, I mean, it, it probably came out in November, but we were like, it could, it could have been the flu, could not have been. But we're not, you know, and since the Chinese aren't being real fucking cooperative, it's really hard to pinpoint with certainty exactly when it got out. Um, but I've had the flu to the point where I've gone cyanotic, which is, you know, you get your your blue lips and your blue nail bed. And I've had pneumonia a bunch of times. So like I was like, eh. I drank the water in Mexico. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm straight. I got those brown people antibodies. Just, <laughs> it can defeat everything, including a low credit score. So I'm not, I'm not fucking, I ain't fucking, wor I ain't fucking worried. Um, a Wolverine. Yeah. My, now my boy, he was only a year old when he came down with it and he had a fucking time. Um, my wife had a time. My in-laws had a time. I was just kind of like, <laughs> Are you going to stop smoking? <laughs> no. These are vitamins. <laughs> These are vitamins for me. You don't understand. These are vitamins. And I went and started huffing gas again because that's <laughs> my treatment for any kind of virus. I just start huffing gas like I have been since I was 10 and I like smoke. Probably not a good idea to do them both at the same time. But that's how we treat cancer, you know? <laughs> sometimes you got to fight fire with fire, buddy. Sometimes you got to fight fire just with fire. If you can't go to sleep, take Whatever's a bump of coke. Dominant. You'll go to sleep. <laughs> but so I know I understand that shit. But, um, and that's around that time period. So we, we got sick twice. The first time we didn't know if it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was, December, it was, uh, January and we went to go visit my family and we ended up taking a family vacation. So it was two vacations in one. We went to go see family. And then from there we went to, um, Disney world in Orlando. And if you timestamp everything, when everything was going on, that was one of the hot spots where Corona was basically going to. Like, you probably got it twice. Well, and, and the reason why the second time you got it was worse than the first. I'll get into that in my little spiel. But, um, you know, my brother got it. He got he got it outright. He had the metallic taste in his mouth and everything. And he's just like, eh. <laughs> he's like, it sucks, but we've all had pneumonia before. So it's like, eh, if you had it once, you know, it sucks, but y you'll make it through. Um, I had brought back the piggy flu. Uh, when I was in university to my family and uh, everyone got to share that little uh, experience. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, it, it, it ended up causing a bacterial ear infection with me and yeah, that was it, like bulged out my eardrum and it was, it was a fucking nightmare, but um, we'd all gotten that. So, and turns out the more times you got the flu, the stronger your chances of overcoming the Rona was who would have thought. Yeah. So you so, had a prolapsed eardrum. You were that set. Is that what you're telling me? A burlap, what? A prolapsed eardrum. 
Oh yeah, it was prolab. It was. It sounded like I had a fucking uh, plastic wrap in my ear every time I'd inhale. I just go, and I could feel it bulging out. And then I'd inhale, no. exhale, and I go, and it would suck. And yeah, it would I, just. I don't, I don't know how much that would be credited to a virus versus. It was a bacteria. It was. I had it in yeah. inner ear, but. Yeah, I don't anyway. know how much I would credit that to some type of infection rather than a marriage, because every time my wife talks and rapes my ear hole. <laughs> my no, hurt. that's that's the that's uh, that's that's your blood pressure rising. That's different. That's yeah. a different. That's the homicide rising. You're just like, and right now we should get on a plane to Saudi Arabia, and the, and the bad bad feelings would just go away. Just stop it. <laughs> just shut up. Okay, I'm gonna watch wrestling. It's gonna be at one in the morning. I'm going to do it with the volume on. I don't give a shit if the kids are awake. You want, I can do this all day, but now here we got rights. So isn't that some fucking bullshit? You know, but, there's no better advocate for uh, the Muslim religion than a Muslim woman. All you need to do, if they really wanted to, us to get on the sides, like, is your wife lippy? She wouldn't be if you were here. Mm -hmm. And you could have five, maybe ten, <laughs> and they'd all be quiet. And they'd all learn, you learn this lesson, and uh, they can't drive because we're not retarded. So, you know, that, mm. that is a strong selling point. So to the guy in Morocco, put that in your next fucking uh, recruitment campaign. You'll get some of us over there. Um, but, uh, we love you, Morocco. So, <laughs> and, um, so what was I going to go on about? Oh, but, so, and I remember. So I, I was listening to these guys talk. Um, again, people in my field. And they were talking, and they said they really need to hammer home the vaccine issue and they said just dump the mask that's a non-issue well now it's a non-issue sure but you can't put a price on the psychological damage that shit did for it to the man you can't do it and everybody that everybody with a degree everybody with a fuck with letters after their name that promoted that shit should be fucking lined up against the wall first because you're fucking bootlicks and you deserve and you deserve everything coming to you. having to explain to my four and five-year-old daughter my five-year-old daughter who says Check this out. My five-year-old daughter. I take no credit for this. I try my best. I know I'm a shit dad. She's an amazing girl. She overheard one of my news stories. She calls them news stories when I'm watching like podcasts or whatever on my phone. And she overheard how Fox News has recently been talking about how it's basically confirmed, no shit, that it was created in a lab in Wuhan. And she was appalled. And she goes, Daddy, it, someone made that? And I'm in this really tough place. And do I lie to my kid or do I tell her? All right, I'm going to tell her the truth, but I'm going to be gentle about it. And because I don't want her to think that daddy lied all her life. You know, I don't want her to think that daddy was nothing but a liar. But at the same time, I don't want to just rip her innocence out at five. So I'm like, yeah, baby, sometimes people do things that hurt other people and they don't always know how bad it'll hurt other people. And she goes, but why would they do that? And I said, well, sometimes, honey, really what it comes down to is jealousy. People are jealous of other people's way of life, whether that be freedom, whether that be monetary money, they have more things, whether that be, they're just, whatever. and they just want to make other people unhappy with them. And some people in this world, honey, are not good people. And that's why it's important to be very careful with who you are around. Cause you never know when someone could end up being a bad person. And that's why I'm always going to try and protect you. I don't care how old you are. And she looked at me dead in the eye and she goes, Dad, if they wanted money, they could have my money. I'd give them all my toys. No charge. I love my people. These are her words. These are her words. I love my people. I love my country. I don't want anyone here to get hurt. And I about cried. I almost seriously lost my shit in front of my God, my daughter right then and there. And I said, honey, that's, that's why I know you have the heart of God because you love. You just love. And, and you followed it up with, we don't negotiate with well, <laughs> All I, I did was taught my kid to say, fuck commies. And I would, we won't. My family, my house won't. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, you know, well, you, know the, you know, the, the, the you know, I, what I would have, you know, that sits here and promotes this bullshit. Fuck every one of you teachers. Fuck every one of you mm -hmm. school board members. Fuck every single one of you cops that wants to push this idea that every kid and every person needs to have a mask on because now my kid thinks that they have to wear a mask permanently for the rest of their life. And I tell yeah, them now. That's why I'm we, saying like, I, I, I get why the people off. in my position want to move to the vaccine and only, and which, which I will do in a second, but they really just, 
disregard the damage the mask shit did because they promoted it and they don't want to feel well, they here's don't want to the, feel bad about it. I'll wrap up my part real quick and I'm gonna tell you this. Everybody was in my opinion, all right, whatever. Everybody was built for one purpose. We all wonder what was I put here on earth for? What was my purpose? why am I here? Why am I here? Well, you can look at it from a hundred yard view, fifty yard view, or a ten yard view. Everybody wants to know 10 yard because they want to know what they need today, tomorrow, and the next week. But you've got to reverse engineer it. What was the main purpose God put us here on this earth? To praise him, to worship him, to honor him, to reflect him. From that, how do, okay, well, Joe has got a talent to make jokes. He's funny. Okay, well, use that to do your main purpose. And from that, you'll find out what your next step will be. Well, maybe I need to go work at this comedy club that's got an opening. Maybe I got to apply at this place. Maybe I got to do this. Whatever the case may be, reverse engineer it. One of my biggest influences in my life, um, he was like my brother and a father that I never had. He was my um, preceptor as a, as a medic. And he was a strong man of God, just a strong man in general. Um, he said, think about what you want said about your life on your death. On, on your burial day and work your way back from that. Yep. It's good advice to have. Think about what you want people to remember you of and, and work backwards from that. And if our main purpose is to praise and worship, we all have our own individual talents and in how to, how we could best do that. What we have now done by taking God out of the equation and by moving away from a spiritual center of life of living and placed our, not even ourself, we won't even place ourselves in that place anymore because over time we've learned yet again, as history repeats itself, just as they did in Rome and as they did in Sodom and Gomorrah, that humans are fucked up, that we are broken, that we are fallible. We are terrible in a lot of degree to our core, but the idea of pursuing what feels good, well, how can we argue with that? So whatever feels good, that is now your hedonism. God. And whatever you can do to justify, get it. that is the basis of how you live. And because it's so hard for everybody to come together on one ground to say, well, I justify because of this or that or whatever, we've now focused on the idea of switching out God yeah. and even switching out politics and in placing, implanting science. We now look at people in white coats as our high priests and our politicians as our popes. And whatever problem we have, we have to have justification from the world of science to then be implemented forcibly through the use of politics. And that is the new religion. And that is the corruption of the liberal into a society where I'm so liberal and you accept so much that you then accept drinking your own poison, drinking poison because it tastes so good going down that it kills everything. But in order to get to that point, you've got to take out yourself as being God. So, I mean, you've got to move yourself out of that place. And that's probably the hardest key for anybody to do is to take themselves out of the equation as what it's all about. You know, 1819, that's why the military always focuses on that age bracket between 18 and 25, because that's the untouchable years where you think of going into battle as like, the yeah, val- you're, you're young and dumb. You don't know any better. Yeah, you think <laughs> of going into battle like being in the movie Private Ryan. Yep. You're not the guy catching the rounds. You're the you're the person behind the view of the camera. Yeah. You don't yeah. realize that your ass is going to be a fucking human stump in about a year and a half. So that's fun. That, you know. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. So, and, you know, that, and, and well, I think uh, you know, just to blame that a little bit, psychologically speaking, you're you stop being manipulatable. From a propaganda standpoint, around the age of 20, around that point, you already have your worldview set. You already kind of know what you what you believe, and it gets logarithmically harder to shake that as you get older. It just gets harder. So it, it's no surprise that college age kids are the same are the primary bracket for the military or any of these activists because they are really perceptive to propaganda because they just want to feel good. They want to be bigger than they are, and they want people to notice them. That's it. They don't realize what that fucking entails. Well, we um, all have for greatness. I mean, you look at people, come on, Dr. Tony Evans, pastor out of a Dallas Theological Seminary, and I'm probably giving these, these people a lot of discredit by label, by dropping their names in association with someone like myself, dropping the F-bomb every other week. But Dr. Tony Evans is a great man, great pastor, and he said it 
I can't take credit for it. He did a whole series on kingdom man, kingdom woman, kingdom family, kingdom single. And under kingdom man, he basically says, every man has a desire for greatness. You can't tell me that we don't because majority of us love something to do physically. We like to change our environment. Look at football. You change your and people love sports so much that you'll wear the jersey of another man on your back to try and grasp onto the coattails of that person and that team's glory. They don't know you. They don't know you from Adam, but you feel like, and every time you talk about your team, you say, we won, or we did this or that or whatever. You, what we, you ain't doing nothing. You're not a shareholder. You're not a stock. You don't have any stock in the, in the, in the team. You don't, you don't have skin in the game. All you are is somebody that has a per, just a proverbial idea that you are somehow associated to this team when you're not. Uh, outside of your world, outside of your mind, but in the reality of the interaction with them, they don't know you but because man has such a desire for greatness will clasp on to somebody else's greatness. And I think that's probably a good place to stop. Um, we'll pick it up again, but if, if we're not banned already, no, this one, we didn't get banned because I didn't get to the, you got to wait for that. Daddy always made sure you get it. <laughs> <clears throat> don't worry. It'll be in the next one.